Making News is a podcast about journalism and news literacy in Wisconsin and beyond. This is Making News. I'm Jane Hampton. You know, your eye is drawn to those flames and those firefighters doing their job. But you have to kind of look around because there's probably a guy down on the other end of the street whose house that was that's on fire and he's receiving hugs from his neighbors. And that's the story. Putting together a TV newscast is a team effort and photojournalists have important jobs in a newsroom. They're the ones who shoot and edit the video, but the best photojournalists are also storytellers. Jason Hunter is chief photographer at WISN 12, the ABC affiliate in Milwaukee. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Jane. So yeah, you shoot and edit video, but um, your work goes so far beyond that. So what else do you have to be good at to get through a day in TV news? Well, I think you have to look at the title first. It's not photographer. It's not cameraman. It's photojournalist. And the second part of that is the journalist part. And even though it starts with photo, the journalist part, I think, is the most important. So you, you have to be that and you have to wear a lot of hats i guess there's a lot of things that that we have to do um, in our jobs but being a journalist is the first and foremost so my day starts with um, a morning meeting which used to be in a building with everyone now it's on a zoom call as are many meetings these days Um, but everybody from our team gathers on that morning call and we discuss uh, everybody brings a story idea to the table and we discuss what we're going to do for the day Um, And then it's sort of that team is comprised of our news director, uh, assistant news director, all of our producers, reporters, photographers, everybody that's involved in the production of the daily newscasts. And so we discuss, you know, what we're going to cover for the day. And uh, then our stories are sort of divided up and we figure out who's doing what. And then it's time to uh, hit the road and go to work. The people that uh, we usually see on TV are reporters and anchors, but the photojournalists behind the scenes, as you said, they're asking a lot of questions, they're making a lot of decisions, editorial decisions, but from a technical standpoint, what do you need to be thinking about as far as gathering the pictures and the sound? Well, being the chief, I'm always trying to tell my staff of photojournalists, the, the main components of good photojournalism are steady sequence video, and clean, crisp sound. Um, and so you're looking for that, uh, you know, when you're in the field. And it's not just about pointing the camera in the direction of action or just gathering whatever sound just happens to be there. You need to look for those things that'll help tell your story. If you're, you know, I, a good example, I did a story uh, a few weeks ago on a family that was quarantined in China at the beginning of the virus. The father was in Fond du Lac at home and the mother and the two children were visiting her family in China. And so we were at their house interviewing them, which is generally, you know, you're just at somebody's house. There's not a lot of natural sound to put in your stories. I noticed there was a baby grand piano sitting in their living room. And of course, the pianist in the house was this little like six-year-old girl. And so after we did the interview, I asked her, you know, she'd play the piano for me. So we were able to use that sound within our story Um, just to drive it and and to tell, you know, to to understand, give it a real human feeling that, you know, this little girl was stuck in China a year ago, but here she is playing the piano, you know, doing school virtually 
Um, but it's just things like that. You're always looking for sound to weave into your story because in many cases, the sound is more important than the pictures. And you talked about sequences, but not everybody knows what that is. And so say you're at the scene of uh, something that's going on. There's a lot going on. What, what do you mean by sequence? Give us an example. Sequence video is just that wide shot, medium shot, tight shot, and those shots edit real well together. I, a lot of times skip the medium shot just because I think the variation. And if you look at how things are edited, you go from a really wide shot to a really tight shot. Um, it just looks better that way. Um, but that's what you're looking for. You're looking for, you know, if you're at a fire scene, you're looking for that big wide shot with the flames coming out of the roof of the house. But then you're also looking for that super tight shot of that firefighter on top of the roof, cutting a hole in the roof with a chainsaw or something like that. So you're always looking for, you know, variation in your, in your shot angles. And then tripods are really important too. I think what makes a professional photojournalist video different from just so much stuff on the internet is motivated, you know, use of a tripod or motivated action. Right. And so how do you, all right, I'm going to throw out an example. What if it's a 5k race or something, how would you shoot that so that you're taking us there? Well, I think you have to, you know, the tripod is a great tool, and, and, um, but you have to have a healthy mix of, you know, both on and off the tripod. So if I'm at a 5k race, you know, I'm going to get that steady wide shot with everybody at the starting line. And then, you know, zooming in really tight to those feet going on the pavement. Um, and then, you know, in this day and age, everybody's got like a GoPro camera or something like that, or your phone. So like running along with the runners with a smaller camera, it's just, it's really hard to do with a, with a big Sony 350 camera, which is what I use um, on a daily basis. That camera weighs 25 pounds and it's got, you know, microphones on it and all that sort of stuff. So sometimes when you want to move and move fast, that's not the best camera to have. So I might leave that behind with my reporter and run along with a smaller GoPro type camera to give people that feeling like you're in the action, you know, you're there. So on the scene of, um, you know, say breaking news, you talked about a fire. I mean, there are a lot of stories that I feel like, you know, we've all seen so many times. And so how are you, the photojournalist, looking for specific detail that would set one scene apart from another? I think you have to look, you know, for action, but also reaction. So if you're at that fire scene, you know, your eye is drawn to those flames and those firefighters doing their job but you have to kind of look around because there's probably a guy down on the other end of the street whose house that was that's on fire. And, you know, he's receiving hugs from his neighbors. And that's the story. The story isn't the firefighters doing their job. Yes, that's part of the story. But the story is this guy just lost his house. And how do you convey that emotion? Well, if you see him interacting with his neighbors or the rest of his family, um, that's the shot you're looking for. So you have to be mindful of what's going on around you and not just get sucked into like, you know, huge flames and that action that, that really draws you in. And then a lot of times you get to work with a reporter out on the scene, but then a lot of times you don't and you're on your own. And so if you see the guy, you know, whose house is on fire, a lot of times you have to be the one to approach him and ask the questions too, right? You do. Yeah. That's one of the things with being a photojournalist is oftentimes I'm sent to that fire without a reporter because the reporter is working on a, on a different story. And we never know with breaking news what it's going to turn into. So we don't want to dedicate a lot of resources to that. Um, so uh, yeah, oftentimes I'll have to ask questions of people. Um, and that just comes with, you know, experience. I've been to 
so many different news stories over the years. Like you just get used to what to ask. The first thing I always say to people is what's going on? Cause then they're just going to tell you what's going on. And that's the story. Right. So that, that's kind of one of the things that, that we always do. You know, it, um, anytime you're out on something, find somebody to talk to. Um, and oftentimes, you know, the first thought is to like go to the fire lieutenant or whoever's on the scene to, to get sound, but that's not the good sound that you want to put on TV. You're looking for the people involved. You want that sound from the fire chief or whoever is out there for information more than, you know, anything to put on TV. So look for those people that are involved in whatever it happens to be that, that you're covering. But a lot of times you're approaching people on what could be the worst day of their lives. Um, yeah, we always got- say that. It's the, it's the worst, when you do a news story about somebody, it's either the worst day of their life or the best day of their life. And so you have to weigh those things, right? Like it's really easy to go interview the guy who just won the lottery because he's, that's the best day of his life, right? He wants to talk to you. But when you're at a shooting scene or have to knock on the door of somebody who just lost a family member to gun violence or died in a house fire or anything like that, that's, a, that's tricky. That's not something we like to do, um, but it's something we have to do. Um, and I think oftentimes, you know, you just approach it lightly and you empathize with people and understand that, you know, you, you know what's going on. You've, you've been to this situation before. And sometimes for people like who've lost loved ones, it's therapeutic for them to tell, tell you what happened. And, you know, oftentimes they don't want to talk to you. They don't want to be anywhere near you. But when they do, it's some of the most emotional, powerful sound you'll ever hear. And when you ask those questions, there, there are some times where people will ask a question and the answer starts and then they jump in again with another question. You just have to let them talk, especially in a situation like that. Just let it go. Let, let that breathe. If they break down crying, let them go, you know? So you have to be a great listener, but you also have to be aware of the technical side of things. And so, I mean, you have to be listening, but making sure that you're gathering great audio. And how do you do that all at once? Well, I hear I have a great analogy for that that I use when I'm training newer photojournalists that I've hired. I always explain it's like riding a bike. So when you're out on that bike ride for the first time, you are focused on riding that bike, right? You do not want to fall. You don't want to hurt yourself. But as you get more comfortable riding that bike, you're looking around and you're seeing, you know, the trees and the birds and enjoying where, wherever it is you're riding. Well, that's how it is with being a photojournalist is once you're comfortable with that camera, that's second nature. I don't even think about it. I know that I'm going to, that's going to be there. And so I can think about what question I'm going to ask or that looking around for that great shot. So as you grow and the longer you're in the business, the easier that becomes. Um, When you, I remember when I first started, it was the technical side of it was really difficult. Um, And it changes, you know, you go from one station that has one kind of camera and then you move to your next job and they have a different kind of camera. So you're constantly learning that new technology but once you get it and, and have a good feeling for that, then it just, it just comes second nature. So you know how to tell a great story, but what are some of the frustrations of working in TV news where there's so much pressure? I mean, there's a ratings pressure, you know, there's pressure to make your story 
really dramatic or interesting, um, but also you can be short-staffed and get pulled off something. So what are some of the frustrations that you encounter throughout the day? It's a, it's a constant battle trying to feed, you know, when a day when you don't really have a good story and you're looking for the next thing and producers, we always call it the producer pipe dream. They're looking for that, you know, that thing that they absolutely have to have and it's not happening. And no matter how hard you try, it's not going to turn and to convince people that this is not going to happen today, we need to move on to the next thing is sometimes difficult. Uh, but I think I find, you know, the further along I've gotten in my career, the better rapport I have with my producers and my managers back at the station that when I tell them this is not happening today, we've, we've exhausted every option that they understand it's not happening today. It's time to move on to that next story. There's so much pressure on stations, on local stations of four, you know, at least four stations that you're competing against in Milwaukee for an audience that's getting smaller and smaller. Are you cognizant of that? And are you always trying to think of new, fresh ways to tell stories that might draw in a younger audience? Because the audience for TV news does tend to be older. Yeah, I think you are. Um, I don't really think about it on a day-to-day basis. I just go out and try to tell the best story that I can every day. I understand, you know, that our audience is shrinking, that the internet has changed everything that, you know, we used to do. Um, it's now an outlet for video that didn't exist when I started in this career. But you also realize that, you know, we use that to our advantage. So just because I'm doing a story for TV doesn't mean that story isn't going to show up, you know, on our website, on our Facebook page and Twitter and those things. So it's out there. There's multiple um, platforms for telling the stories. And we do things, you know, we do things differently. Um, if we're at something that's a big story, we may be streaming that to our website while I'm shooting the story, which is sometimes difficult because when I'm shooting a story, I'm not like locked down and I'm running around, I'm moving, I'm, I'm constantly zooming in and out. And if I happen to be streaming because they want that story streamed, if it's a press conference or whatever it happens to be, um, I got to be cognizant of that, um, that the viewer on the other end is probably not going to want to watch me do my job. Although I think in some cases it would be kind of cool. It's kind of cool. It's interesting. Um, On the flip side of that. So yes, I, you know, maybe the broadcast audience is growing smaller, but TV news also has real engagement with its viewers and, you know, they feel like they know you. And so do you think about that when you're out and about in all these different communities all the time that, you know, people have a connection with channel 12? Yeah, they do. I mean, it's, it's interesting when you're out on a story and, um, you know, the public is interacting with your reporter and, you know, there are, there are certain people that I've worked with over the years who have a really big draw. Um, I'll go back to my good colleague, good friend, Mike Anderson, who passed away a little more than a year ago. And one of my favorite things to do would be to go to Summerfest or State Fair with Mike Anderson, because everybody knew Mike Anderson. And um, he was just one of those one of those people who was genuine. And, um, you know, I think people connected with him, whether they they thought that, you know, everybody thinks they know him because they watch him every day on TV. And he was just, you know, what you saw on TV and Mike was Mike. You know, you worked with him. You know how he, how Mike was. And uh, those were enjoyable days when you got to go out to a, like a state fair. I worked with Mike at state fair. I don't know how many times. It's like one of my most favorite things. We would go and, you know, eat our way around the fair while we were working <laughs> on our story. In fact, we actually, 
one of my favorite things with Mike was every year they had this thing called the Sporky Awards at the State Fair. And it's like the latest new food at the fair. And they have like an eating contest. You know, <laughs> everybody's trying all this food and they judge it. And Mike and I, for some reason, I think five or six years in a row drew that story. And so we would make it a point that when we were done shooting the, you know, the awards and everybody trying the food that we would go around to each of the places and try it for ourselves. <laughs> and, and you just run into people along the way who just love to see Mike. And um, yeah, it's fun. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm at a loss for words. I'm talking about Mike. He's just one of my, one of my favorites. And I've worked with a lot of great people over the years. Um, but it's always, it's always fun to see the public, you know, react. What are some other stories that are just, flat out fun to cover well sports first and foremost because i'm a sports guy i love you know football and basketball baseball all of it i've been to i was at the ncaa final four in dallas when the badgers were there in 2014 i think i was at super bowl 45 when the packers were there um i just think those those are the most fun just because i'm a sports guy and sports are fun you know um but anything entertainment you know this i love the state fair um, my uncle was the chairman of the state fair board during the entire Tommy Thompson administration. So I've always had, I've always gone to the fair and uh, going to the state. People complain to people that I work with. Oh man, I hate going to the fair. I got to drag my stuff all over the place. <laughs> You're going to the fair. How can you complain about that? You know, so, and Summerfest, of course, you know, all the things that we missed last year, right? That I can't wait till we get back to, to go, to go do those stories. Um, people are happy there. They can't wait to see you, you know? Don't you think you get to know a community in a way that uh, most people can't even imagine? I mean, what do you think you know about Milwaukee and Southeast Wisconsin having been in your job for so many years? Yeah. 23 years at channel 12. I mean, I guess the biggest thing, and I always joke with people and my joke is dated now, but I always would tell everybody if, if I ever lost my job as a TV news photographer, I could drive a cab because I really do know my way around town. And I have to adapt that. Now I could be an Uber driver. But that's, you know, that's one of the things I know my way around. I know, you know, all the good restaurants because, you know, you, you got to grab lunch when you're out on a story. Um, I think you just feel a connection with the community because you're telling their stories every day. And people don't like for me, you know, people don't know who really know who I am. I'm just the guy behind the camera. Um, so I think our, our reporters and anchors have more of that touch with the community um, than we do. But, you know, there are certain, pe certain people that we interview from time to time that you build a rapport with. You know, a lot of times people don't really recognize us, right? Because I'm just behind the camera and it's always a reporter. But there are people that I, I've been doing this long enough, the mayor of Milwaukee, Tom Barrett, is one of those people who, hey, Jason, how's it going? You know, he knows me. So you kind of have that. We always have this running joke is in the summertime, I wear shorts to work because it's hot and I'm hauling gear. And the mayor, every time he sees me in shorts, oh man, I wish I could wear shorts to work like <laughs> you guys do. So, Well, what would you tell somebody? I think most young people who think about television news think about being in front of the camera. And so what would you tell somebody about the advantages of being behind the scenes and telling stories in a more visual way? Well, I've been on both sides. I have that rare... There's not a lot of people who do what I do have, who have done it both. My first job was, um, we called it a one-man band back then. Now it's an MMJ, a multimedia journalist. There are, there are people who are reporters who also shoot. Uh, but I did that back in the early 90s um, in a small market. So I know what it's like to be on the other side of the camera. 
I think it gives me advantage as a photojournalist and is in that I can tell a story without a reporter and without track, voice track or writing words. I can just tell it, but with the sound that I gather in the field with the interviews and natural sound, I think that's a more powerful way to tell a story. Um, I know a lot of, you'll see a lot of networks do an in their own words type of thing. And, and that's, I think, more powerful sometimes than, than writing a story and, and introducing that, that uh, you know, voice track. So I have that advantage. Um, and reporters like to work with me because I've been in, that, in their shoes and have that ability to help them tell a story because it really is a team effort. You know, every time we're in the field, um, it's not about I get the pictures and you write the words and do the interviews. It's a team effort. A good reporter will always, when they're done with an interview, turn back and say, Jason, you got anything? And I'll always have a question um, because that always comes up. And, you know, that's one of the other things too, when you're shooting an interview, you have to listen to the interview because nine times out of 10, you're going to formulate that next question off of what you've heard them answer. So that's one of the things that, that I always try to do. A lot of people probably aren't quite sure what you mean when you're talking about a natural sound story, but a story with no reporter narration, that's really challenging because then the interviewees have to t kind of tell the story themselves. How do you make that happen? Well, it goes back to, like I said before, my first question, what's going on? And there's your story, right? So, and then you'll just formulate your next question off of that. If it's a, you know, a benefit for somebody, um, raising money for somebody who's sick or whatever, um, you know, your next question to that person to draw emotion, well, how does that make you feel? Um, things like that that just kind of help tell the story. Um, and then, of course, in between the, the interview sound, you're looking for, you know, those natural sounds. You know, if you're out doing a story about Habitat for Humanity, the environment rich with sound, saws and hammers and all those things. And so to drive your story, you're just putting in those real quick one or two second, you know, a hammer clunk or a saw. You're just putting that in between your interview sound. It really helps kind of drive it along. And then to also, when you have that interview, that person doesn't need to be on screen talking about whatever they're talking about. If you listen to that interview and think about the things they're talking about and then find that video to support that, and you just put the video over the top of their sound and it helps the viewer put those two things together. Are there any stories that even after all the different things you've seen and places you've been um, that still stick with you? There's just been so many, you know, people ask me that all the time. Well, what's the coolest story you've ever covered? I don't even know where to begin. I mean, it's thousands upon thousands of stories, um, good, bad, and otherwise. So there are things that I've seen, images that are in my mind that are, I, I think for most people would be disturbing. Um, but because I guess... I've got thick skin because I've seen so much of it. It's sad, um, but there are also good things. You know, it's not just bad things. Um, like eating your way through the state fair. Like eating my way through the state fair, exactly, <laughs> with, my, with, my, with Mike, right? But yeah, there have been so many. And it's just, I, I really enjoy talking to people and listening to people tell their stories and, and just the, the vast array of people that you meet from the homeless guy on the corner to the president of the United States and everything in between. It's been a lot of us who work in the industry, we have a front row seat to history. And it's certainly been a great run. Um, 
and you know i'm nowhere near near finished with my career i've got a ways to go yet um but i enjoy it almost every day like with any job it has moments well jason thank you so much for telling us about the job thank you for having me jane Making News is supported by the Digital Humanities Lab at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee.